0: Cut, and this is the K-Cut. I'm Rachel. I write for Films Fatale, and I love classic cinema, silent movies, lost film, and international cinema.
1: James here. I'm a content creator. I produce and release music under the a Boutique Paul I'm one and half of the Prefer Not To Say podcast. I've also contributed articles to Films Fatale, and my expertise lies in no-budget cinema and 70s cinema.
2: I'm Andreas. I'm the creator and one of the writers over at Films Fatale. I love art house, international cinema, but a little bit of everything in between. And welcome to our second episode of... I don't actually know if they formally have a name, but... Uh, the second edition of our little, uh, color experiment. So basically in the first episode, we were looking at the primary colors that we most associate with specific films. So red, blue, and yellow. Um, now we're getting into the secondary in our second, in our second episode, which is a very fitting, I, I suppose. Um, so we're going to be looking at green, orange, and purple in that order. So, um, Finally, when we do this sort of episode again, we're going to be doing uh, the remainder. So pink, black, white, brown, whatever, gray, I feel like. There's nothing else, I don't think. Anyway, so in case you missed it last time, basically what we're looking at here are films that we heavily associate with specific colors. So um, as we learned last time, that could be through heavy photography, that could be through very specific imagery, like if a character dons a specific outfit and they um you know they stand out for the duration of the film in said outfit, like uh the yellow jumpsuit in Kill Bill, for instance. Um, whatever you make of it. So uh yep, first off we're gonna start off with green and Uh, Who wants to go first with their green film? What film reminds them heavily of the colour green?
0: I'll go. Okay, so mine is the classic Sleeping Beauty from the 1950s, which is really one of the most beautiful films Disney's ever made. It looks like a painting or a tapestry. It uses gorgeous Tchaikovsky music, and it has a beautiful use of colours. Like Those colours really pop. And green appears a lot in a lot of different contexts. So you've got one of the fairies is green, I believe. Um, You've got in the forest when they're living the idyllic cottage life and green is also a sign of evil it's malicious because green can be growth and rebirth and things like that or it can be kind of sickening and frightening and i think that this movie plays off both sides of green really well it's kind of maleficent's color but also a happy color
2: yeah Sleeping Beauty is one of those films where I was obsessed with it as a teenager, and I watched it kind of recently for my, you know, my decades experiments. And, you know, unfortunately, I don't love it quite as much as I used to, but I know why I loved it so much. And that's specifically because the art style is unquestionably some of the best that Disney's ever had. Um, I love the... Uh, the middle ages type of Gothic architecture that they have going on. And like just the angular looking characters look like they come straight out of like iconography. Um, and that use of green as well, whether it's like the forest backdrop when like, um, Oh, what's the Prince's name when he's like riding off valiantly to try and save the day, but left herself. Prince the- the- Philip. Exactly. Prince Philip, um, like the little thorn garden, I think had like a lot of, uh, darks and like dark greens as well um but yeah maleficent specifically i mean yeah look, and there's all no that matter, green
0: lightning and stuff
2: exactly no matter how i feel about the film as a whole still one of the coolest disney villains still one of the best written the fact that all of this stems from her jealousy uh, which is green is the color of jealousy as well so it's very fitting
0: oh right yes you're
2: very right james do you have any thoughts on sleeping beauty
1: I, I I didn't really like make that connection with all the green until like it was said out loud. I was like, oh yeah, I guess you know green is really representative of that movie.
0: It's true.
2: Yeah, and you think at first it's like, well, yeah, because of Maleficent, but then all the forest imagery, um, yeah, the fairy as well. Even though there are there are a couple of them, but you know, one's red, one's blue, Why is the other one green and not yellow? Maybe because it just felt more suitable for the art style, a little easier on the eyes than a very canary yellow. I don't know. But it is a very green film, which is strange because typically, you know, I was thinking of like, you know, like the uh, the colorful dresses or like Prince Philip and his red. But overall, it really is a green film. So I think that's a great choice. Yeah. James, what about you? Uh, you wanted to go next, I think. Uh, what is you, what is your green film? And I have a. F- I'm going to mentally guess what it is and not say it out loud because
1: I don't want to spoil it. But I have a feeling I know what it is. Oh no, you're not going to guess it because I didn't. I, I I never. I don't always associate films with specific colors, and green is one that I never really think of. Like ever. So it's not the Matrix. It is not the Matrix. Okay. Actually, no, I think I thought of the Matrix, but I thought that would be a little too on the nose. Okay. But uh, so I decided to go with a film from. Uh, Jim Carrey's breakout year and go with the mask. From oh, I like that.
0: That's perfect.
1: I mean, that mask in the look is just iconic.
0: It really is.
1: Yeah, it's. It, I it's. I don't really need to say much about it. If you've seen it, you know what I mean. Even just to talk about
2: it a, a little bit more. Uh, what I love about the mask in general is that um, it is indicative of like some of the best, and I still feel like even though it's aged a little bit, it's, you know, it's almost 30 years old, some of the best visual effects of its time, but there's, you know, and this is obviously not intentional because it's based on a graphic novel, but there's something about how green the mask is, where it's like, this is CGI, but it almost reminds me as well, and I know it's got nothing to do with it, but it almost reminds me of like green screening as well. Like, this is what I think of when I think of like visual effects, like this color and a film like this.
1: Yeah, it's definitely yeah. The effects I think still hold up it, because it's like it's like a real life cartoon, but also I think one of the best like instances of green is uh, when you see like just the wooden mask before he puts it on. It has that kind of flash across it with the green. Oh, it's kind of like mossy, I think. Right? Yeah. Oh no, I'm talking about the glow before he puts it on. Oh, oh that. Okay, I see what you're saying. Yeah, it's almost like an emerald shade, and then like you know, there's obviously that you know green cloud and kind of whirlwind that appears around him before he becomes the mask. Yeah, so it's got, like, all of it. And then when the dog wears it...
2: Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. The villain as well. You know, it's... uh, All of their different human... Like, all the different human embodiments of who they are truly as beings, but green. So, you know, you brought up Jim Carrey being, like, a living cartoon character, but that's because his character is an animator. So... Uh, you know, when somebody else picks it up, it's like your worst nightmare or whatever. The dog is like kind of embodying. It's, it's a really great concept.
1: So Andreas, what's yours?
2: So mine is a little bit less symbolic and more photographical. Um, one of my favorite filmmakers when it comes to uses of color is, uh, Zhang Yamao. And I had to go with the uh, house of flying daggers where so much of this film is surrounded by like, you know, bamboo forests and, uh, other like it's not just the nature shots but it's also like um some of the clothing that that that, that the characters wear his films typically have like one predominant color so like a red lantern i don't even need to tell you what the color is based on the title alone um yeah uh hero has like a bunch of colors i think but uh yeah house of flying daggers is, is hugely green and I just love what he does with it because, um, especially for a Wuxia type of film, uh, it it makes it feel like folklore. The fact that it's like so vibrantly, so vibrant looking that it almost feels like mythological, if that makes sense. Because its its artistry is so huge that it feels like unrealistic. Um, I love it. I don't know if either of you have watched it, but I highly recommend it.
1: I haven't it's for some reason i keep seeing clips of it and things about it pop up on my feeds on like multiple social media though because it's, it's something amazing. i've been meaning to get around to <laughs> but i'm like you know what? i think i just have to watch it like because i i've been seeing it lately and then now you saying and i'm like all right I, I gotta sit down and watch it
2: before one of us recommends it on, on the smorgasbord i'm guessing maybe who knows which, for a new listener of Cinematic Smorgasbord, is a monthly segment where we each recommend films that the other co-host has never seen before. We're, we'll get more into that later. Um, for now, uh, we're going to stick to the color palette that we have. Uh, those were all of the green films that we have. Now we're going to get into orange. And orange is a little, little more interesting because I feel like it's such a such a specific color that it really kind of only lends itself to specific types of industry or sorry, specific types of imageries or, or landscapes. So let's see what we wound up with. Rachel, what is your orange and is it a Western or post-apocalyptic film at all?
0: Definitely not. No, I noticed there were a lot of Westerns when I was looking at orange films, but I went with Juno because that film is like, very, very orange. There's all the um, imagery, there's the sunny D, and there's that shirt, the striped shirt that every couple in my high school wore for costumes on Halloween 2008. And I've been thinking about why there's so much orange in that film. And I think it's because even though it's about a complicated situation, it's coming from essentially a positive worldview. And you know, there's loving support. And I'm not saying it's like a smiley, happy all the time, always kind of film, but it is essentially a good world. And people support each other. People love each other. And um, essentially nobody's really bad in that movie with the possible exception of Jason Bateman. I think it's a great way to show a good film while still having nuance, while still having flaws. And I think the orange is kind of a key to the sort of film we're about to see.
2: I also feel like orange is an in between color. So, you know, youth might be yellow, um, adulthood might be red. He's a little bit more serious, but youth is more vibrant. This is like the in between stage. Like, we're seeing teenagers who are still very immature talking in hamburger phones, which, hey, I'm not judging. I
0: I wish I had tried
2: to find one everywhere and I found one at sunrise and I got it. So, I'm not judging. But the whole point is, you know, the salad days are gone and here we are facing adulthood with like you said a very tricky subject matter which is handled very stunningly by um Diablo Cody the screenwriter um but that's what it represents to me i feel like is like that in between stage where things are a little bit not as cut and dry as they used to be
0: also like orange was very very popular in indie films of that era so maybe it's kind of a genre thing too
2: That's true, too. And like, you know, judging from the opening credits to the soundtrack and everything is just so cutesy and whimsical, but very, very indie. And I would argue, even though it played by so many of indie's rules, it's one of those films that kind of surpassed the test of time as one of the definitive films of that movement.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I just really love that movie. And I think the acting is brilliant. So go see it.
2: Yeah, if you haven't, I mean, I feel like it's aged really well, and big fan of it. Uh, James, what is your orange film?
1: Uh, so I was trying to think of orange films, and I was like, "What? What makes me think of orange?" And uh, the first film I thought of that I, I didn't go with, but um, and I think it's just because I think there's orange in the poster. But then I kind of th- like thought about that the vibe is kind of orange. It was the uh, Steven was out of sight that we watched as a collective pick not too long ago. Uh, I was like, "Oh, that's kind of an orange film," but. Um, I decided to go with the Henry Selleck classic, James and the Giant Peach. Oh. Of course. I mean, that's just, it's self-explanatory. I just, oranges throughout that entire movie. I mean, they're literally in an orange fruit. Also, Henry Selleck is just an absolute legend when it comes to stop motion. I'm happy you brought him up, because first
2: off, I feel like that film is underrated secondly i mean he's popping up again because of his latest effort so I'm, I'm just happy that we're talking about this guy um he's a brilliant filmmaker and yeah james and a giant peach is very underrated but so incredibly orange and i love it for me uh i was tempted to go with a western i had so many in mind and then i went with something that's not really a Western, but it does take place in a barren landscape. And for me, it's like the only thing that in the last 10 years where this is like the only appropriate answer. That's uh, Mad Max Fury Road, which is one of the most ungodly orange films I've ever seen. And I absolutely love it. Uh, second place goes to um, Blade Runner 2049, even though only part of it is unspeakably orange, but beautiful. Uh, with how um, Roger Deakins shoots that specific color. But Mad Max Fury Road is like orange the entire film and not just for specific um, parts of it. And it's so important in this film because it it really replicates the Western vibe that um, the original Mad Max films were going for, uh, but kind of exemplified as if things have kind of just gotten worse and uh, more barren and emptier and... Uh, uglier and you know everybody's thirsty and i you know like uh being able to drink is like a luxury in this universe so everything's just hot and you just feel like you're suffocating and then and then i don't want to say anything if neither of you watched it but one of the most breathtaking action scenes i've ever seen my goodness, the dust storm is just beautiful, and one of the best uses of of that color I've ever seen. So, Mad Max: Fury Road for me is a no brainer.
1: And they actually shot it in a real desert.
2: Yeah, well, pretty much I would argue like eighty five to
1: ninety percent of what you see is like not CGI, like. Yeah, they enhanced things, but they did the like the setting was actually like in the desert, which is always refreshing to see. The
2: setting, a lot of the f- oh, and the pyrotechnics. Oh my god, let, lest we forget the fire and that that guitar player with the flamethrower. Okay, good. Th- Thankfully, you reminded me. But yes, yeah, so much of what you see is like literally on set, and you feel it. And this is like what action, what action filmmaking is all about. So that's orange. I'm feeling a little warm, uh, a little hungry, and a little nostalgic after that discussion. Uh, (laughs) Let's move on to purple, which is, um, I hate to be that guy, my personal favorite color ever. I'm so stoked. Let's talk purple. The only unfortunate thing is, and I feel like maybe both of you came across this, Filmmakers don't really use purple as a predominant color in films. It's not nearly as frequent as, say, red or green. Um, So I'm interested to see what our findings are. Rachel, what is your purple film?
0: Well, Andreas, I cheated a little because I did this for World of Movies, and it's a short film from Portugal, and it's called Flores. And um, the film at least was on Criterion a couple of months ago. It's about half an hour long, and... It's about two soldiers who are in the Azores Islands, which are in the Atlantic and are under Portuguese control. And um, it's an ecological crisis where hydrangeas have completely covered the island with no real explanation. So everything is tinted this sickly lavender and it's menacing, but in a very slow and subtle way. It's not a dramatic crisis. It's just kind of there and it's creepy and it's very beautifully creepy. And it's about these two soldiers who form a bond while they're dealing with these ecological problems. And it's just a gorgeous film to look at.
2: Yeah. I sadly haven't seen it, but I remember you writing about it. Um, I know like when you wrote about it and I, you know, I edit all of your work or at least like just look through it. Um, I was like, Oh, this sounds interesting. And I even like used your pictures. So I've seen it as well. But, I don't know. After that description you just gave, I'm more enticed to watch it than ever.
0: Also, it's like aggressively purple. So it was the best thing to pick for this one.
2: Okay. That's what I'm watching. it as soon as we're done recording, (laughs) it's like, I could not watch it sooner. Uh, and yeah, quick shout out world of movies is a fantastic column. Uh, check it out every or most Wednesdays. Uh, we've got a new entry by, uh, our lovely Rachel here. So, uh, thank you for that. And I feel like I've just, I've like explored the entire globe. Uh, be sure to check it out james what is your aggressively purple or somewhat purple or kind of
1: lavender film that you went with um so before i before i mention what mine is i just had a thought for some reason and i don't know why i didn't think of this before but does anyone else think that the movie parasite is purple
0: not really can you explain
1: i don't know there's something about it that feels purple i can't explain it i uh, yeah i i i Yes, please do explain. <laughs> I, I can't, though. That's the thing. For some reason, I was thinking it's like... Is sort of
0: like an in-between thing, like we were talking about with Juno?
1: Yeah, kind of. There's just a certain vibe that feels purple to me. Maybe because everything is, like, damp feeling, kind of like a Something like that. purple. I don't know.
2: It's
0: I don't know. That was just a random art side art I thought I had. And, and maybe he uses purple in the art. That's it.
1: Maybe. maybe. Yeah, I don't I can't know. Think that, of that, many, was ra- Sorry. Yeah, that was just a random side thought I had. But uh, I had to go with an 80s classic starring the purple one himself. Purple Rain ah, starring Prince.
0: Of course.
1: Because, I mean, it's in the title, which is also, you know, obviously the album has the same name with the title track of the same name. He's got that iconic purple outfit with the purple motorcycle. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's really nothing else to say about it. It's, it's not the most amazing film, but it is still very entertaining, mainly because the music enhances everything. Also, I think the music in general sounds very purple. Just like every track on the album has some sort of tinge of purple feeling in it
2: yeah i can't argue against that i mean um you know that's the thing with films a lot of them don't use purple so predominantly but when they do sometimes it's like so in your face everything is purple like this film and what prince wears and the motorcycle and all these things like it's purple and you can't ignore it so yeah right, what like you don't, the other? people
1: don't use purple with like a specific intention usually it just pops up but this one it's, it's just iconic
2: yeah i think the problem is uh and it's unfortunate for me because again it's my favorite color and i just love wearing it and having purple things it was seen as like a royal color that was like not meant for you know underlings or peasants um and that was because it was like very hard to to make purple materials back in the day. So it was reserved for those that deserved it. Um So as a result, we just don't associate a lot of things with purple outside of some of us who just really like purple. So either that or like this, uh, kind of chemical or biological or ecological sort of growth or mutation or something. And that's kind of where I'm going with mine. Um, mines a much more recent film it's one of my favorite films of the last 10 years uh, I just adore this and I'm going with and I hope either of you have seen it I'm going with annihilation um, yeah annihilation has this whole thing where you're going into the shimmer and it's not like a purple purple it's kind of like a like a mixture of lilac and fuchsia and you know shades of pink as well but a lot of purple too and um, the deeper you go into the into the uh, into the shimmer, they call it, the uh, the more screwed up things get, but also the more you just see, like, th- these little purple sparkles and, you know, glistening kind of, yeah, this mutation just kind of, like, shimmering everywhere, and, you know, no pun intended. And I just, I, I love it. You know, I love the film for so many other reasons, but the fact that it just is so enamored with, like, purple and pink but more so purple yeah that's right off my alley I, I love both colors a lot like pink's a close second or third for me so um yeah annihilation is is the right amount of purple
1: purple so side note uh when early in the days of my first podcast i to say we actually had a um we did merchandise we did hoodies and we were thinking of colors and greg recommended purple and several people actually ordered that one Interesting. nice like they saw purple and they were like oh i want that one i was like wow i guess more people like purple than i anticipated
0: i also think purple in various shades just looks good on basically everyone
2: uh, that's the thing like a lot of people who are like what's your favorite color red when you're like 30 something you're not still like really selecting everything red or whatever but purple is one of those colors purple and like pink i find uh, where if you like it you're still like I still get purple stuff um like it still matters even though I'm a grown man you know like it doesn't matter though like yeah so it's one of those things where even at this day and age if I saw like a a purple option for such merchandise I too would be like oh that's the one I'm getting (laughs) so I mean I get it but um you know speaking of branding and all that uh Dear listeners, thank you for listening to this short but fun episode. Um, let us know what sorts of films you associate with these colors, or any color, really. We're not gonna, we're not gonna forbid you from picking other colors. Just what are some of your favorite films associated with with certain colors? And to do so, you'll need to find out where we live online in our digital space. Uh, maybe not much longer on one social media platform, but let's not get political. Rachel, where can our listeners find us?
0: We are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under the K-Cut. And um, for Cinematic Smorgasbord this month, so Private Property from 1960 is our collective, and Daljean, Blue Ruin, and Heralded and Maud are our individual picks.
2: Brilliant. So I recommend everybody at home to to listen. Or sorry, I recommend everybody at home to, to check out these films and tune in to our one of our first episodes of next month, maybe the first, maybe not. And now that we have uh, gone over all of that stuff, let's leave you with some random recommendations. Uh, shall we go in the same order?
0: Sure. So my pick, um, I decided to go with blue Valentine, even though it is one of the most depressing movies ever made. It has some great acting and some serious hard truths. Uh, just don't see it on a date. That's not going to go well.
2: That's a fantastic film. Uh, Love that it's still being talked about to this day, uh, 12 years later. Can't get enough of it. James,
1: what about you? Uh, so I'm going to go with a film who by someone who I think is a master of color, who I don't think is really talked enough about when it comes to the colors movies. But I'm going to go with Bronson by Nicholas Winding Refn. Ooh, oh,
2: yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think that's a great choice because I I think you brought it up that um, his cinematography is so candy-colored and so punchy because he actually is uh, colorblind and it helps him yeah, see. Yeah, he
1: can't see medium tones, so everything has to be heavily contrasted, which is why the colors seem so thick in all of his movies. I mean, that's
2: a fantastic pick. Uh, for me, I'm going to go with somebody who uh, is a master of using black and white or grayscale photography. But – in when he was reaching his renaissance, let's say, uh, started to show the world that, Hey, I can make some amazing colorful films as well. I'm not going to go with Ron. Cause I talk about Ron a million times. Gonna on this podcast. That. No, I'm going to go with Kagemusha, which is like a precursor to Ron, you know, stylistically by Akira Kurosawa, which is, uh, possibly even more colorful, especially some surreal sequences. Um, if you want to see what it looks like, uh, when somebody associated with black and white films starts, Making vibrant highlighter 80s looking films but still you know still period pieces uh Kegamusha is such a lovely film to look at alrighty that was the K-Cut thank you so much for, for listening and now we are going into the L-Cut